0: What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about the delicious Strava Craft Coffee. In fact, I got myself a cup right now because it is so delicious. And guys, Strava is the rich CBD infused coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups for your Keurig, whole bean, or ground. Guys, not only is it delicious coffee, but it comes with all the benefits of CBD. And if you use the code DNVR20, that magical code, you'll get 20% off your online purchase. So make sure to get some Strava Craft Coffee. That CBD helps with pains, aches, headaches, migraines. Anything that's going on with your body, the CBD helps relax. So make sure to check out Strava Craft Coffee. Use that code DNVR twenty for twenty percent off your online purchase. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. country Welcome to the DNVR Broncos podcast on this Tuesday in the Mile High City, the first Tuesday in June. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. Ryan Koningsberg on assignment today. But before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Guys, MSU Denver puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. And guys, a lot of places are going online right now. But MSU Denver Online has already mastered it. So make sure to check them out at msudenver.edu online. They have over 40 online and hybrid programs and 750 classes. So whether you want to finish a degree, start a degree, or just take a couple of classes to learn about something specific, MSU Denver Online can hook you up. So check them out at msudenver.edu online. My boy, Mace, how are you? All right, how are you, Zach? <laughs> Sorry for blowing your ear out there. I made you touch no. your microphone or your headphones. Oh,
1: that's okay. It's just a little bit for effect, even though no, no one can see the visual of this right now. Me just kind of <laughs> tugging on my headphones here. No, I'm all right. How are you?
0: I'm, I'm doing fantastic. I love the, uh, the Tar Heel blue you got on today.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, blue skies outside blue shirt inside here in the basement. Ready to go.
0: I love it. You know what? I realized last night when I was on a walk and it was, you know, almost still 90 degrees in the evening. I realized that we're in full summer now. I know technically we're still in spring, but we're not going to be dipping into the 50s anymore in terms of highs. We're we're in summer and I am absolutely loving it. And Mace, you came across uh, an interesting article that came out over the weekend, and it's something that we should talk about because I, I heard some people talking about it over the weekend, and I took it a different way than they were. So why don't you tell us about this article?
1: Okay, well, first of all, you talk about it being summer. I know the calendar, the astronomical summer, we'll say, doesn't start till June 21st, but the meteorological summer starts on June 1st.
0: Oh, so you are
1: correct in really focusing on it being summer right now, at least from a weather perspective. So.
0: Oh man, I love that. I'm gonna go off the meteor, meteorological. Wait, what is meteorological it?
1: Meteorological summer. Yes.
0: Meteorological summer. In July,
1: August, at least yes. in the northern hemisphere. For our friends uh, down in Australia and New Zealand who listen, where. Uh, They're going into winter. I'm sure it'll be a very, hopefully, very, very lovely winter down there.
0: Man, I gotta, I gotta say, that's how summer should be. June, July, and August.
1: Especially when you think of, in this country, the unofficial kickoff to summer being Memorial Day and the unofficial end of summer being Labor Day. Yep. And then that extends a little bit into May and September. It extends pretty, pretty late into September, relatively speaking, because, Labor Day is relatively late on the calendar, but I
0: digress.
1: (laughs) This thing we're going to talk about today, ESPN.com has had a story recently about NFL QB commitment, how married all 32 teams are to their starters. Now, Zach, what they're basing this on is financial commitment. And guaranteed money that is given to the to the quarterback. Because let's face it, if you've got thirty million dollars per year tied up in your quarterback, you're married. (laughs) Yep. If you have a second round rookie contract, not so much because we've talked about this in recent podcasts. The thought of what if Drew Locke isn't the guy what if he's a guy and not the guy and the broncos don't achieve our expectations for 2020 what do you do with the potential of say aaron Rodgers being on the market and no. that, that's why this is interesting it's sort of the uh, it's sort of the what if but because of that zach where do you think the broncos rank in terms of commitment to Joe Flacco
0: in this ESPN article. Drew, to Drew Locke. Drew Locke. Sorry, I was looking at last uh, one. I'm going to say, I mean, Mace, you, you kind of said it. Not only is he on a rookie contract, he's on a second-round rookie contract. So I'm going to go bottom five. Correct. Now, how, how far? Because, I mean, okay, you have, you have Gardner Minshew, who – Has to be below Drew because he's on the same deal, except he's a fifth round, fourth round pick? Sixth. Sixth round pick. And do you have any other guys like that? I mean, Kyle Allen's not a starter. Um, And, of course, in Washington, you have a, a higher draft pick with Dwayne Haskins, so he would be higher on that list. Is he second to last? Third. Third. Who am I missing? Jarrett Stidham. Ah, of course. Yep. Yep. That's what I
1: was looking for. But here's what's interesting. Even though last year, Joe Flacco, not on his rookie deal, of course, because there were no guarantees left on his contract at the time, of course, we know how the Broncos finagled things and adjusted things. The Broncos commitment to Joe Flacco last year, according to this same piece or the same version of it that ran 12 months ago, was also 30th.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. And that that wasn't that one of the things that we liked about the Joe Flacco trade, Mace? I know how you felt about Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. I felt the exact same way. I thought it was kind of silly to ask a guy to be who he was four or five years ago. I thought that part was silly. I didn't like that. But the, just the, the no commitment to him being able to move on whenever be able to hold on to him if he does turn back into that guy I thought was great and that's how I feel about this with Drew Locke I think that there's no commitment there is fantastic because Mace I I you know if I'm being a general manager I'm in the position that you're in with Drew Locke I'm saying hey he's the guy this year absolutely but why Why would I pay him a big contract right now? There's absolutely no need. He needs to go out there, prove to me that he's the guy. And so I love that the Broncos, that Drew Locke is 30th in terms of team commitment from the Broncos when it comes to the financial side.
1: Yeah, and I love that as well. It does give you maximum flexibility. But boy, oh boy, it's... It's just really interesting to view it this way. Now, here's what the article says. It breaks down his contract and says, Locke has a lot more to prove before the Broncos have to commit to anything, anything to him beyond what they've already committed, which isn't a ton. Now, it does mention that his, his, his salary will go up via a proven performance escalator should he play a minimum of 35% of the offensive snaps in each of the next two years, but not to the point where it's going to be burdensome. So it's a great deal. It also sort of reminds you how, okay, you, you got to win now. You got you got you to take advantage of this, but Zach, it's, I'm having a lot of fun looking back at last year versus this year. Okay. Mm. Now the Broncos 30th in quarterback commitment last year 30th this year do you know who was 32nd last year
0: oh boy um let's think rookies kind of bet no i off the top of my head i can't Dak prescott and dallas cowboys oh ho, ho, ho. that's that uh man mace that's what you talk about quarterback um oh man what's the phrase why am i why am i why is it blinking? Why am I blinking? It's your phrase that you drink to.
1: Cost control, Cost quarterback. control
0: quarterback. There we go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now, this year, the Cowboys currently ranked 23rd in the tier of on the verge of commitment.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, that's exactly where they are.
1: Now, they're spending a lot of money, but very similar to Joe Flacco for the Broncos last year, although they weren't spending as much money. It's only potentially for one year. Yeah, So it's still kind of a one-year deal. But there are a few names that jump out on this. Ryan Tannehill, number
0: two. Oh, wow. He wasn't even on this last year.
1: Yeah, because, of course, they were talking about Marcus Mariota at the time. And with Mariota on his fifth-year option... He was, he and the Titans were tied for 20th in commitment. By the way, tied with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who had Jameis Winston also on a fifth year option. (laughs) Yep. So now, with Ryan Tannehill getting a four year deal that has 62 million in full guarantees, could be worth up to 118 million. They're sitting there. And their quarterback commitment is right behind only the Los Angeles Rams mm. who have Jared Goff on a four-year $134 million deal. And by the way, Kirk Cousins, who we discussed a little bit yesterday, number three in terms of team commitment to him because of the extension that they, that they put on to restructure his contract and keep him for the next couple of years.
0: And what is he making like thirty three million a year in that extension?
1: Yes, it was sixty six million dollars over two years with sixty one million in
0: full guarantees. <laughs> I mean he's worked the system well. he has milked everything that he can milk in that and man, it is interesting to look at this article and just see how locked in and Mesa it makes it really interesting for me because I want to take a look at the guys that aren't free agents next year, um, but that maybe their team decides to move on from. And if Drew Locke doesn't work out, and and I'm touching wood, I don't believe that'll be the case, but I think it's naive to say that there's no chance of that happening. There's a chance of that Mm -hmm. happening. And as we talked about John Elway making a big splash, I want to look at the guys that are under contract for next year. So they're not going to show up as free agents. And as we know, really the only sexy free agents next year are Jameis Winston, uh, potentially. So who's a guy that could be cut or that the Broncos could trade for? And one name that really jumps out to me when I'm going, when I'm looking at the bottom tier of these guys, and when I say bottom tier, I mean teams that don't have a big commitment to their quarterback. Coming in just a couple spots ahead of Drew Locke, Is Matthew Stafford now? Of course, he's on a mega deal with the Lions, but he's at the end, nearing the end of a mega deal with the Lions that he signed in 2017. Uh, The Lions could move on from him and not have very much dead cap, um, including in a trade. Wouldn't that be a big name that John Elway could could try to bring? And obviously, it's not the Aaron Rodgers of the world. It's not the Peyton Manning's of the world. It wouldn't be that type of move. that would be bringing in a big name. It would be. And by the way, with Matthew
1: Stafford, if you were to acquire him next offseason, according to Over the Cap, the Lions would save $14 million in cap space, but they would create $19 million in dead money under their cap if they traded him in 2021. So that's an eye-popping number that might limit what the Lions decide to do In 2021. Now, so much of this is going to depend on what kind of form the team has because it's possible that Matt Patricia is coaching for his job this year. It's possible that the Lions, if they struggle as a result, they mash the reset button in 2021 and then Matthew Stafford wouldn't be a part of their plans. But yeah, that is something that is in play. If you get beyond that, if you get to the tier, that is lower than Matthew Stafford. You've got Mitchell Trubisky. Not really interested in him. No, no. Pass. Um, Nick Foles is probably not in in this discussion here because the Bears have a have a pretty minimal cap savings. Even if they trade Nick Foles, they only they. They have over $5 million in dead money in 2021. They only save $1.3 million. And if the Bears cut him outright next year, they actually take a cat pit mm. if they cut him in the 2021 offseason. So Derek Carr, here's a name to throw out there because in this article, the Raiders are listed 28th in their commitment to – To him as they go into his seventh season. And the Raiders, if they cut Derek Carr in the 2021 offseason, Zach, two and a half million of dead money, 19.625
0: million in cap savings. Is this where we finally see it happen, Mace? Ever since John (laughs) John Gruden got there? People have been saying John's moving on. The, The Raiders are moving on from Derek Carr. Two drafts later, he's still there. But that would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Is that the time they move on? Yeah, it would make
1: sense. And there's another option there in Marcus Mariota. Now, I don't necessarily think that he's going to be all the Raiders. hope. I'm still surprised that when John Gruden was looking at quarterbacks to bring in to either push Derek Carr or to give himself another option, I'm still surprised it was Mariota and not Jameis Winston
0: yep. who yeah. went to the Raiders. Yeah, me too. I mean, that would have been that would have been scary from a Broncos fans perspective. Yeah,
1: Mariota probably doesn't scare you. And why should why should he scare you? You saw the Broncos Broncos Titans game last October. You saw how he got basically blitzed off the field.
0: Yep, the Broncos got him benched. Yeah. It was the best thing that happened to the Titans, though. It, <laughs> it seriously out, was. At least
1: in terms of their form, maybe not in terms of how much they've got committed to the quarterback because they are truly wedded to Ryan Tannehill, number one, number one quarterback on their depth chart. Okay, I got to ask you about your boy, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs>
0: um, yep, we need where to talk about think, him.
1: Where do you think the Packers' commitment is to Aaron Rodgers?
0: Well, Mace, I'm not gonna lie, I saw where he was and uh, I I would have guessed that he was higher. I would have said top five, which is crazy because that goes completely against what the Packers just did by drafting a young quarterback. But when did he get that mega extension? Was it a year ago? Was it two years ago? Twenty eighteen.
1: Twenty okay, so two years just ago. Just before the season started. Now what is interesting about the way it is structured next year and even the year after that is that sometimes you know how you see a discrepancy in what happens if a player is traded versus cut. Well, in 2021, Zach, for the Packers, the cap impact of parting ways with Aaron Rodgers is the same whether they cut him or trade him. And that is that they would save just under $5 million of cap space, but they would also create $31.556 million of dead money under their cap. Oh, yikes. Whether whether they trade him or cut him.
0: Yikes. I mean, a $5 $5 million savings is nothing compared to 31 dead.
1: Right. And that's why this article notes – that because of the dead money, it's more likely they could tra- they would trade him in 2022 compared to 2021. Now, the thing that would come into play that would make things easier next year is if they cut him with the post-June 1 designation, which would take that dead money down from over $31 million to $14.352 million, and then their cap savings would go from just under five
0: million to an even twenty-two million. And then Mace, correct me if I'm wrong, but then the other 17 million in dead money would count against the 2022 cap? Yeah,
1: you'd be basically okay. spreading out the or you you would be spreading out the hit a little bit.
0: Man, I was I was initially going to say there's no way they cut Aaron Rodgers after this season. It would have to be a trade. But does that scenario actually <laughs> make it possible no it can't be it can't be a possibility that they cut Aaron Rodgers next year to free up 17 extra million dollars or I mean how valuable is that money
1: well the impact will be the same if they trade him but so consider this for a moment what if you were a team that wanted to trade for Aaron Rodgers but then you had to accept that he wouldn't be a part of almost all of your offseason work because he couldn't land until after June 1. Because it's one thing to cut a player with the post-June 1 designation, but trading it is a little thorny. That, that's got to be something that's, that's clearer designation, clearer demarcation point. So, would you Would you trade for Aaron Rodgers if you need a quarterback, knowing that you couldn't have him in until after June 1? Now, my answer would be absolutely. That doesn't change. If I need a quarterback and I want a veteran, I want Aaron Rodgers, I'm willing to pay the price in draft capital. I'm okay waiting until June
0: 1 to get my present. Yeah, I would be to amaze. You and I are similar. We're okay with a delayed gratification. Obviously, this is a little bit different. But man, yeah, I would be okay with it because of the quality of player. Um, I can't believe I'm saying these words about Aaron Rodgers, but I would be okay with it. Um, but what an awkward offseason program that would be. I mean, just not you would have I guess you would probably still have Drew Locke. There, there'd be no reason to move on from him. So I guess he just gets to continue to develop.
1: Well, yeah, and I'm saying like any team that needs a quarterback because I don't want to put this so much on Drew Lock. Obviously, that's right. where our focus is. But I think Drew Lock is going to show enough to where he's going to get that look for 2021. We're just talking about this because of John Hellway's history at being willing to make the audacious move. Peyton Manning was an audacious move. It certainly, certainly wasn't, it, and it it seems doesn't it doesn't seem that way when you look back on it. But at the time, there were a lot of people saying, "Hey, you got a ride. You got Tim Tebow. You can <laughs> let him ride a little bit." And the Broncos weren't thinking that. Actually, the first time somebody in the know mentioned to me that the Broncos could get Peyton Manning, I was taken aback, and at first I thought, "Man, you're crazy." I thought I, <laughs> that I was a Tebow guy, but I thought they would at least try to ride him or pick somebody younger. At that moment, I was hearing buzz about Russell Wilson coming in the draft and bring back Tim Tebow. This is say in February of 2012. Right. And I frankly thought that Russell Wilson would beat out Tim Tebow pretty <laughs> quickly <laughs> if that happened because Russell Wilson was 10 times the passer that Tim Tebow was <laughs>
0: kind of an important thing Yes.
1: Yep. <laughs> sort of job one. Okay. A couple other interesting things to note on this ranking. Let's we talked about the Raiders. They're 28th of course with Derek Carr and we discussed the negligible impact For them if they cut Derek Carr in
0: 2021. Wait, Mace, really quick, before you move on from the Raiders, that scares me. That scares me that what if John Gruden this whole time has had his eyes on the 2021 draft? Or let's just say, um, maybe not this whole time, but now he's seeing, oh my goodness, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, I could get one of those guys. I'm just going to roll with Derek Carr for a little bit. He's built up some draft capital. Obviously, that draft capital is dwindling uh, next year. But what if the whole plan, especially now, is to get one of those two guys? And I had this conversation with a friend over the weekend. There's not a clear tank for Trevor team out there. Maybe the Jaguars. That's the one that you could point to and say that is outside of that. I mean, you kind of go to the Bengals, but they have Joe Burrow. They shouldn't be in that conversation. Obviously, the Dolphins, just last year, there seemed to be more teams that were the clear choice to be really bad. It doesn't feel like there's those teams. So I think you could throw the Raiders in that conversation if they want to take it that way. And that's a very, very scary situation for the Broncos and really um, the Chargers as well to potentially have, to go against Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, Patrick Mahomes, and I don't believe that Justin Herbert is worthy of a top six pick, but let's say he turns into that. Oh, my gosh, what a division. And then, of course, your counter would be, well, we have Drew Locke, of course. So it would be a very fun, exciting division, but, boy, that would be scary.
1: Well, top ten pick means that the Chargers are handing the baton to Justin Herbert at some point for – what they hope will be an extended run. So I don't think he's going to be all that for them, but they are committed to him. Uh, The Raiders, man. Yeah, that is, that's really interesting. And the Raiders with Trevor Lawrence would scare me. (laughs) Yep. The Raiders with Aaron Rodgers would scare me. I haven't thought of that. Yeah. John Gruden loves his vets. Loves his vet QBs. That's part of uh, the John Gruden experience is that looking over his time as a head coach, his first stint with Oakland, his seven seasons with Tampa Bay, and then coming back to Oakland. In Tampa Bay, he had Chris Sims play for about a year, year and a quarter before he had that spleen injury. But most of John Gruden's time in Tampa Bay, it's Brad Johnson, Brian Greasy, Jeff Garcia. There was also Bruce Gragkowski thrown in there, and I believe a couple of starts by Luke McCown. But it's mostly old hands, old veterans. And in Oakland, for the first stint that John Gruden had, you think of Rich Gannon. A vet who'd been around, you could call him a journeyman, and Rich Gannon plays at a high level for John Gruden, although he actually reached the highest level after John Gruden left in that 2002 season when Bill Callahan was the head coach. So that's why I sort of look at Aaron Rodgers, the Raiders, Yeah. I know that
0: wouldn't scare you Zach perhaps because
1: yeah.
0: you're <laughs> I mean, not impressed it, with
1: Aaron Rodgers.
0: <laughs> it would it would make sense he would fill the Brad Johnson role the journeyman experience vet, oh, going whoa, to John whoa, Gruden. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Did you really say journeyman <laughs> for Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> He's been around for a while. Uh, in one place. <laughs> <laughs> maybe He's, two now next year. Yeah he if this is his last
1: season in Green Bay, he still would have been their starter for 13 and a Packer for 16 years. Oh, my gosh. 16 seasons. Journeyman. He's been around. <laughs> in one spot. You have to move around. You have to play for different teams to be a journeyman. If, you've, if you're with mostly one team,
0: you're not a journeyman. That is crazy, though. 16 seasons? Uh-huh, because he was the 05 draft. Holy Cow, that's crazy. But Mace, wow, that is a fascinating conversation because, yeah, Oakland, I could definitely see being in on that.
1: Yeah, I could too. And, oh, boy, oh, boy. So we touched on the Chargers a little bit. And then you have the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. They're 21st right now, but that's just because they don't have a long-term deal done. When they get the long-term contract done with Patrick Mahomes, they go to the top of this list.
0: With without a doubt. And speak, speaking of these contracts, I think it came out just last week that the Chiefs and Mahomes have started negotiations. How do you think these negotiations are gonna go? Do you think it's gonna be easy or do you think it's going to be uh closer to a Dak Prescott situation where uh it takes a long time and it seems like they're far apart? Well, I think it could take a while, but I don't think it's going to be contentious.
1: The environment that we're in right now does offer a complicating factor because with the salary cap tied to revenues, if you have limited capacity stadiums or empty stadiums for the 2021 season, how do you account for that in terms of the salary cap when the cap is always based off of revenues? Does the cap take a hit? And if so, how does that affect the contract that you'd be trying to structure? So. I think they'll get it done. I just believe that with everything going on, if you're not playing in full stadiums this fall, there could be some more contortions involved
0: with trying to make this deal than originally anticipated. That's a really good point, and that throws a big curveball in here. And he's going into his fourth season, correct? Yes. So they've technically got control for this year and next year and then of course if they wanted to franchise tag him they could do that as well um but gosh i initially i think this is easy it's not going to be contentious like you said mason may take a little bit of time but it's not going to be contentious the chiefs are not going to uh be offending mahomes with any offers they throw but now i think what if i don't know if they could ag- they would agree on this but what if the Chiefs said, look, Patrick, we're going to take care of you. We're going to make you the highest-paid quarterback, but can we do this deal next year or even in two years? And we'll, we'll give you uh, everything you want, but just because of what you said, Mace, the, the cap being weird next year, we don't want it to be where you take up a third of our cap next year. Well,
1: next year, if he is on the fifth-year option – He's going to be at $24.837 million. Okay. Now, the Chiefs, based on the projection for the salary cap in 2021, would be looking at a little over $34 million of cap space. But again, if something isn't worked out and revenues take a hit and that cap ends up falling, then... You might have to do some things now. It's possible that they could take that contract and say, Okay, look, we're going to give you a new one here, but your cap number and maybe even your cash figure in 2021 comes in below what that fifth year option would be. And we kick the can down the road a little bit, and that would mean you could be looking at some audacious cap figures say, by 2024 or so, maybe something on the lines of 45 or $50 million to make up for what you'd not be paying him next year. But the thing that you're counting on is the television and streaming contracts. And even in this potentially harsh economic environment, people are still going to watch football. They may even be watching football at higher numbers this year than – you would have expected. You remember in 2016, the last election year for the presidency, the ratings took a dip. I don't think we're going to see that this year, Zach. It's not that people aren't going to be following the election, but with everything that's gone on, the appetite for sports on television and how much it's been missed, I think you could be looking at a banner year for the NFL in terms of ratings, and that would give them an advantageous position from which to work as they discussed the television contracts that would start in 2022. So there's a way for the Chiefs to get things done. And also when I think about those television contracts, Zach, I think, okay, if Drew Locke is the guy, the Broncos should be in good shape to take on a potentially hefty cap number. And maybe, let's say Drew Locke balls out this year in year two. Do you try to get something done preemptively if you know he's the guy? Absolutely, because that price tag is only going to go
0: up and up and up and up. That's true. If you're Drew Locke, why would you take that, though? I guess you would take yes. it because what, what would he make next year? What's he scheduled to make next year under this contract? Not, Drew, not a lot. Yeah,
1: yeah. Drew Locke's contract for uh, next year. Let me just uh, get it from my file here. Hang on. Drew Locke in 2021 will get – sorry, I got the Excel file right here. He's going to get uh, $1.912 million in terms of his cap value, and uh, that's also Ooh. going to be the, the cash value as well. So, a little so, over $1.9 million.
0: So, that's why he would take a deal is because he could – Um, make 10 times that amount next year and get all this guaranteed money and a big signing bonus. But wow, man, that would just be so fascinating. I think if a deal were to be done, I mean, I don't think it's gonna be 20 million per year, I think it'd be 30 million per year. Instead of making him the highest paid quarterback, maybe you get a bit of a discount by doing it next year. But it's still gonna be a lot of money.
1: A lot of money, yes, and uh, I'm not saying that the Broncos are going to be ready for that. I think this is something they're going to wait on. And Drew Locke probably would want to wait on it as well, but it's something to consider. I mean, I know that there are some listeners and people out there who think Drew Locke can be in the MVP conversation because, hey, the last two MVPs have been second-year quarterbacks. Yep. Sounds, like a tr- sounds like a trend. Also sounds to me like we are handing the baton to a new generation. I am considerably more conservative on my opinion and expectations for Drew Locke in 2020. But at the same time, if he does reach that stratospheric level, it's a conversation you need to have if it could save you some money down the line. While also the bone that you'd be giving Drew Locke is that you'd be offering financial security right away say look something happens you're still set that's that's the way i think the broncos would try to sell it
0: yep exactly that's exactly how they'd be trying to sell it and this is people may be saying whoa 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 there were some people in town fans you may say who were saying the broncos should give trevor simeon an extension after he started four and oh and and three and one in those Uh seasons and people are saying, well, aren't you happy now that the Broncos didn't do that because you found out what he was? Well, if you're willing to give Drew Locke an extension after this season, you had more than a four-game sample size. You had an entire season under his belt. Now, you're not giving him a big extension if you go 8-8 and and he goes 20 touchdowns to 16 picks. You're not doing that because then you're not sold on him. But, Mace, how many people were unsure about Patrick Mahomes – after his second season in the league, when he had the MVP season, when he started, uh, you know, his first 16 games that season, uh, his first year as a starter, how many people were unsure and said, hmm, I don't know if this guy's the future of that team?
1: Absolutely nobody was saying that. And that's that's the thing. If
0: a quarterback
1: is at an MVP level, you've seen it. You know you're okay taking your vows for a long-term commitment. Yeah. If it's anything shy of that, then, okay, you're playing the wait-and-see game. The notion of getting married to Trevor Simeon. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when all that was coming up, and uh, you're thinking, yeah, you might uh, get some cap savings here, but he wasn't playing an MVP level. Again, this is is an extreme conversation for an extreme situation. Extremely good, yes, but extreme that yeah. he'd be playing at MVP, MVP level. It's the conversation you would love to have because if that transpires, Zach, we are talking about the Broncos as a Super Bowl contender.
0: Yep, absolutely. This year, yes. this year we're talking about him as a Super Bowl contender. And, man, this is such a fun conversation to think about. And, man, if you want to get in on the Broncos' Super Bowl odds, I'm not sure – I'm not saying you should put your money in there, but you should check out DraftKings Sportsbook. For those odds, guys, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing legal sports betting to Colorado, and we're so happy to be rolling with them. Guys, they've got an awesome app, they've got an awesome desktop site, and also they've got so many bets on there. We don't even have the big four sports going on right now, and they have so much that you can bet on. So fun to go in there, scope it out, find ones you like place some futures, place some props. We're going to be doing our DraftKings Sportsbook Pick of the Week later this week. It's so much fun. And they're not like other offshore gambling sites. This is a legitimate sportsbook based right here in the U.S., so you can be confident that your funds are secure. So, guys, make sure to check them out and download their top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. So don't forget. Enter the code DNVR and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bat match. bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times play through restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And
1: let's face it, if you do place some wagers on DraftKings and you come out ahead, aren't you going to want to celebrate? Oh, absolutely. Then you're going to want to celebrate with our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Of course, if you're in the Denver area, you know about the farmhouse restaurant they've got at their brewery down in Littleton. Remember, if you order your meal and beer from the farmhouse, you can use the code DNVR and save $5.00 off your meal of course they've got great food you love the 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 breads the appetizers that they have it's basically the finest pub grub that you're going to find in the south denver area down in littleton so make sure you check them out of course you can go pick up your food and your beer down at the farmhouse brewery 303 803 1380 from noon to 8 p.m for pickup and they'll bring your order out to your car for you but you don't want some food or if you're anywhere else in the country, at least in a spot where you can get Breck Brews. You can order that 15-can sampler through Drizzly. And if you don't want to go through Drizzly, if you just want to go to your liquor store, find out who's got Breck Brews. They've got the Breck Brew locator on their website. You can go there and find your local liquor store, your local grocery store, whatever. Find out where you can get that Strawberry Sky, that Avalanche beer, the Vanilla Porter Jr., the Hot Peak, Colorado Core, all of it.
0: The Breckbeer Locator will tell you where to go to get your summer refreshment. It certainly will. Man, I could go for a Breckbeer now, and it's not even 11 a.m. <laughs> Let's talk to the people. Iceman chiming in says, Hey, amigos, it's really simple for the Broncos and Andrew in the 2020 season. Win 10, 11, or 12 games and win their 17th AFC West title. Anything 9-7 and seven or less and no playoff appearance is a failure for Elway and the Godfather. Drew needs to be healthy and stay on the field. His win total is not as important as him starting all 16 games. That's on Fangio, period. Go America. Right on, Iceman.
1: Okay, I'm not sure that starting all 16 games is on Vic Fangio. Although I do think, (laughs) Iceman, that you probably like the conversation that we just have. We're talking in terms of what happens if Drew Locke is playing at an MVP level. And yep. if he does play at that level I assure you the Broncos aren't going just 9 and 7 they're going to be a lot better than that. That said I'm not going to say that nine, that 9 and 7 or less is a failure. I'd say I'd put it a, a game lower. I'd say 8 and 8 is kind of the demarcation point for where you're okay. If you're seven or, or, or not, if you're seven and nine or lower, then I, I do think you are talking about the season as a
0: failure. Eight and eight would feel like a disappointment in the moment for fans because uh, it's just one game improvement, especially with everything they've done. But you could look and you could say, okay, five and 11, six and 10, seven and nine, eight and eight. It's happening slowly, but surely. But I don't think eight and eight uh, – I. I'm pretty positive. You're not firing Vic Fangio. You're not making any big time moves unless there's an Aaron Rodgers available. You're trending in the right direction, but from fans, it would feel disappointing. I think at nine and seven, I think apparently not Iceman, but but I think a lot of fans would step back and say, "All right, all right, we had one game increments the past three years. Now we just had a two game hop." And then they'd be looking at the 2021 season saying, okay, if we have another two game hop, we're 11 and 5, we're competing not just for the playoffs, but the AFC West.
1: Yeah, the other thing is not all eight and eights are created equal. An eight and eight where you go, say, five and 0 at the end after starting three and eight actually feels pretty good. Kind of like last year, the Broncos go seven and nine. A lot of seven and nines you'd say, meh, the seven and nine last year because you got Drew Locke out there and you started finding out what he had you started the clock on his development and you won four of those last five it didn't feel like a hopeless 7 and 9 it felt decent it's not great but it felt okay it felt like you were taking steps in the right direction so again they're not all create equal take that 09 season for the Broncos with Josh McDaniels 8 and 8 but you started 6 and 0
0: Yeah. Yeah. that Felt like crap. Understanding. So. <laughs> yes, it did. DC Hawk Guy saying, Hey, Zach, I hear you stole my spot in the Madden League. I knew I made a good decision when I went promo code RK. JK, I'm happy you decided to get in it. It will make for more fun of a league. I'm just hoping another team drops out. Stay well, everyone. Well, I'll represent you well until you get in there, DC Hawk Guy, but don't be too jealous. I have got to be the worst offense in the league right now which i would expect from taking over a team where someone dropped out
1: oh yeah well if i ever joined the league then i think everyone would know who the worst team was gonna be i i'm not (laughs) sure i could win a game because again it's been so long since i have really played madden i'd be out of practice so locked in 2020 Hey guys, I'm hearing a lot of talk from Raiders fans about Max Crosby being almost as threatening as Nick Bosa. His highlight video is certainly look intimidating. Do you think he lives up to the hype? Also, who do you think will have the most menacing pass rush against the Broncos this season? It looks like the Raiders and Chargers have strong weapons to exploit a weakness at left tackle. Getting a little concerned about a young Drew making buddies with some spooky ghosts who might overstay their welcome in Denver. Thanks for the input.
0: <laughs> Great comment. Um, Max Crosby. Boy, I mean, they, he he kind of stood out on hard knocks, and I think that was he got a lot of people's attention then. And he had a good season. Uh, started ten games and had ten sacks. But in terms of being a Bosa as good as him, I'm I'm not ready to go there. Not even close to there yet. Mace, are you?
1: I'm not there yet. Do I think he can be better than Cleveland Farrell? Yes. At the same time, remember, he had nearly half of those sacks, four of the ten, in one single game Mm. against the Cincinnati Bengals. And that was a game started by Ryan Finley. Remember, of course, they replaced Andy Dalton with Ryan Finley because they wanted to see how the then-rookie out of NC State looked. That was his second start, and in total he was sacked five times by the Raiders four times by Max Crosby. So he had a good season. He had a promising season. I think it's way too early to talk about him being in that Bosa conversation just yet because so much of his sack production came in one game in a fairly advantageous situation. Of course, that being said, he did have a sack and a half against the Broncos in that regular season finale. So the Broncos have seen how he can play, and I think he's going to be a very good pass rusher. That said, the Chargers, what makes them stand out on defense is stars, studs, at all three levels on the defense. There aren't holes on the Chargers' defense the way there are holes throughout the Raiders' defense. The Chargers are designed to be that ideal Russian cover D Now it's a question of whether they can play from ahead and set up the Russian cover for the more advantageous situation of playing from ahead. And a lot of that, at least early, is going to be on whether Tyrod Taylor can be the no-mistake quarterback that he was in Buffalo because they're counting on him until Justin Herbert is ready to be somebody who protects the football and doesn't put the defense in a bad spot. The Chargers, they're kind of looking to try to win games 13-10 sort of like the Broncos are trying to do a few years ago. But we know that is fraught with peril and it gives you a narrow
0: margin for error. Yeah, let me, let me tell you what, man. This Max Crosby guy, man, he's a football dude, man. He, j- he breaks his hand. He wants to go back. He's a dude, man. I, I think okay. Max Crosby is such a John Gruden guy. But yeah, I, I okay. totally agree with everything you <laughs> I'm said. I'm
1: sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you sound like a mix between John Gruden and Cheech Marin
0: of Cheech and Chong. <laughs> hey, at least, at least, uh, part Gruden. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm still working on it. I I, I think oh. I got the, uh, let me tell you, man. I think I got that down. I, I need to work on the rest of the words. Uh, Cheech. <laughs> uh, he had that great role as, um, Roy
1: McAvoy's caddy in Tin cup.
0: Mm, yeah. And that's what
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing, uh, Uh, His caddy, his name was Romeo, uh, giving advice, man. You got the laterals. (laughs) 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 The shanks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. Abs Watch 22. Hey, gang. Longer than usual today. I will wrangle these back to normal when we have 30 comments again. But today's environment deserves to be spoken about. I'm going to briefly touch on this BLM. And you guys are awesome because DNVR is always on top of stuff. I also hope everything that has happened and is happening in Denver creates a positive, progressive environment for all of these issues. I think you guys know me to be all hype. Well, I let everyone know I love everyone in the DMVR community listening to this podcast and interacting in the lounge. Okay, like RK has stated, there's quite literally no easy transition from human rights to football, but we're going to do that here. I think you. Th- Three have all seen the Bleacher Report article Jesse Taylor shared. Shout out, Jesse, in the Broncos' lounge about the Broncos having the 21st-ranked offense in this offseason, of course. I went through and counted the list and counted 11 teams I thought the Broncos' offense today is better than because all these teams I'm about to share with you were ranked ahead. The Jaguars, Giants, Texans, Eagles, Seahawks, Raiders, Steelers, Bengals, Lions, Cardinals, and Rams. Of these 11 teams, I can understand arguments for the Texans if Will Fuller takes a step necessary to become a full-time Number one receiver consistently, and the Cardinals, who could have a seemingly, who could have, excuse me, a seemingly explosive offense with Kyler Drake, D. and Larry Fitzgerald. That means at worst, I see the Broncos as a 10th to 12th ranked offense, not 21st. I know lists are made to get people riled up and suckered into sharing it. I know I'm being a bit of a homer, but I think our offense with a new renowned offensive coach in Pat Shermer could be every bit as explosive as anyone else. I just see our personnel matchup better than or equal to every single team I just listed, especially the freaking Jaguars and Raiders. What do you guys think? As always, we are blessed to have you guys working every week during these crazy times. And I will show my love for y'all when to make it out to the bar this coming season. My name is Spencer Post. I'm a very proud member of the DMVR community. Go DMVR, go Broncos and go
0: America. Hey Spencer. I I absolutely love that you're rolling with us. And of course, abs watch 22 been with us for a minute now and love it. Uh, Mace, where, where do the Bronco, where does the Broncos offense stack up? Is 21 the right spot or should they be higher?
1: Okay. Well, first of all, I didn't see that report. i Aside from a few select authors, I don't. If I see a Bleacher Report link, I tend not to click on click on it.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Spencer. I didn't. I didn't read this article at all. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's look at the teams that are are ranked ahead. Okay, the Eagles. That makes a lot of sense. They got the, the Texans, quarterback. They got the quarterback. They got. They got weapons.
0: Yeah. They
1: have one of the best tight ends in the game. Maybe Zach Gertz isn't as spectacular as Travis Kelsey, but he can get the job done. And And watch Dallas Goddard. I think he really emerges this year and gives him a true tight, two tight end package. The Seahawks, you got the quarterback, like you yeah. said, with the Eagles, because you got Russell Wilson. The Steelers, you got the quarterback yep. coming back. Ben Roethlisberger, and he's throwing him up to Juju, that that, that'll, that'll make them better, and it, they've got an offensive line. Right, and they, they still have a good offensive line, especially with Ben coming back. The Giants, that's an interesting one, but...
0: Yeah, I don't like that. I'd put the Broncos ahead of the Giants.
1: I'd say they're on the same level. There's a lot to prove there, and they both have studs at a skill position. The Giants, of course, have Saquon Barkley, and the Broncos have Portland Sutton. The Jaguars, right. I don't see. What?
0: Yeah, that's no, not at all. That's really Not where the
1: Broncos are headed. The Rams, yes. Sean McVay. The Cardinals, yes. As you mentioned, Spencer, all those weapons. The Bengals. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, whoa. Even though I have a lot of confidence in Joe Burrow long-term, I've got to see Zach Taylor call plays for an offense that flourishes because you know what? He called plays in Miami for a little bit a few years ago. They struggled. He called plays at the University of Cincinnati as offensive coordinator. That offense struggled. He called plays for the Bengals last year. That offense struggled. Zach Taylor, he's got the Sean McVay connection, but I've got to see a good offense from him. I haven't seen it yet.
0: Yeah. 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 That that's totally fair. I'm also, uh, man, I got to see more from, uh, Jerry Goff was good, but the, his decline, I'm taking the Broncos over the Rams.
1: Yeah. I I'm not there yet. Just cause the Rams have a lot of weapons. And I think the thing with McVay very similar to his mentor, Mike Shanahan, he's going to maximize what he has. Right. And with McVeigh, he's going to do so with a little bit of creativity. That said, we do know that Vic Fangio defense is Sean McVeigh's kryptonite or mm-hmm. defenses that borrow heavily from Vic Fangio as the Patriots did back in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, but I don't see the Bengals. I, I, the Raiders, I think the Raiders are in the yeah. same pile as the Broncos. I think they're comparable with a lot of unproven parts that you're looking to learn about.
0: I'm taking Broncos over Raiders, but I, I understand that, throwing them in the same area. Yeah, they're, and so I
1: can see why some would have them maybe a bit higher, but I just look at them, and they're, they're, they're sort of two sides of the same coin. Broncos maybe have more explosive skill position players as a collective. The Raiders have a more experienced quarterback. And right. then the Lions, okay, I'll put the Lions ahead of the Broncos at this moment because they get Matthew Stafford back. And that was a good offense when Matthew Stafford was healthy last year.
0: Yeah, I believe they were a winning football team when they had Matthew Stafford as well. Uh, And what this all comes down to is, uh, yes, I would put them higher than 21. But then if you're putting them 17 or if you're putting them 10, just depends on Drew Locke. Just like we've been saying, the weapons are there. Now the weapons are young. So the weapons, you know, aren't at their full potential yet, but the weapons are certainly there. If Drew Locke turns out to be the guy that I think he is, then yeah, by the end of this season, they're absolutely a top ten offense. If Drew Locke struggles, which which would be understandable. It's it's really his first year as a starter, um, then they're gonna fall maybe between fifteen and seventeen, something like that. So um, yeah I, I totally understand where your frustration comes though abs watch, seeing some of those teams come in before the Broncos next one yeah. from Nashville Joey hey guys thanks so much for the time you spent in the opening statement addressing the horrible issue of racism that our country faces as a fellow white male I take seriously the part I have in playing and allowing this to happen and for anyone reading this thinking that's not me. I'm not racist. We all have a part to play in the reconciliation of our country. Keep up the good work, guys. Proud of y'all. You said it, said it very well, Nashville Joey.
1: Amen. This is something we all have to solve together. Yep. E- exactly. Is, and we've all got to confront ourselves a, a little bit and you know, if, you know, and say what can what can we do better? What how could we have done how, how could we have done things better? I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, maybe I, I, I could have been even more, I feel like I've always been supportive of, of guys who were trying to bring awareness like uh, Brandon Marshall and Colin Kaepernick, but maybe I, I could have been more supportive right? in recent years. And maybe I thought, Oh, well, when I worked for the Broncos, I kind of had to walk on eggshells a little bit. And I was thinking about this when, we had Brandon Marshall on the radio yesterday and it was great to catch up with him. And he's uh, such a a passionate and intelligent uh, voice uh, for the causes that uh, he holds dear. And he's been wonderful in the community over the years, both here in Denver and uh, in his hometown in Las Vegas. But I thought maybe, you know what, maybe I, I could have done, I could have done more to help. And uh, yeah, but we can all, but it's never too late to change things going forward. Yeah. And uh, let's 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 all work together make this make this country and this world a better place. Super Bowlin', Zach, help me out here, please. Open your eyes. John Elway said so himself. He wanted to give Locke the same type of learning process Rogers got with Favre. There's no way, no, there's no better way to do that than trading for Rogers. <laughs> Foreshadowing at its finest. <laughs> On a serious note. If Locke's going to kill it this year, I can't wait to watch.
0: <laughs> oh, man. If if he's going to kill it, like, I think it's going to be so much fun. Like I was saying, all the weapons that he has. And, man, trading for Rodgers and having Locke develop behind him would have been ideal last year. You trade for Rodgers, then you draft Drew Locke. You piss off Aaron Rodgers just like the Packers did right now by drafting uh, Love, you probably piss him off a little less because he's a second round quarterback instead of a first like Jordan Love. Um, But that certainly wouldn't have made Aaron Rodgers happy. But if you trade for Aaron Rodgers, I get that you're probably not dumping Drew Locke. But it that doesn't really feel like a development situation anymore. That feels like your young quarterback didn't perform well. So now you're benching him Mm -hmm. for Aaron Rodgers. And you know, that would be the, the story. That would be what they would say is, ah, he's just going to develop perfectly, then take over again. But the, the truth is he would be benched for Aaron Rodgers.
1: And he probably wouldn't be happy because even though Aaron Rodgers would be going into year 17, you'd still be thinking of him as a three- or four-year guy given how healthy quarterbacks can play into their 40s. We've seen it with Tom Brady. We've seen it with, with Drew Brees. And if not for the neck issues, we probably would have seen it with Peyton Manning as well.
0: Yep. Yep. There's no doubt about that. He's not a one year fix. He's here for a while, Nick Yep. Uh, Onion Town Link says, my boys, first, I'd like to say what a good moving start to this podcast that was. Made my day. Thank you, Onion Town. Now, onto the football side. I want, no, I need, I need to talk about Tim Patrick today. Do you think he makes the roster this year? If he does, what does he contribute as a relief man for Cortland Sutton? And finally, if he were on a team where he was not asked to be the guy, but was a starter, what would his production look like? What if, say, he went and started next to Devontae Adams for the Packers with Roger throwing him the ball? Zach will probably say that's a surefire way to end his career, but what would he be to them? What about in Houston opposite Brandon Cooks? You guys do phenomenal work on a daily basis. I can never wait until tomorrow's pod. Keep it up, Lynx. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Puts a smile on my face. All right. What do you look?
1: Tim Patrick, he's a solid backup. And I think he makes the team. And I think it's possible he plays more than people expect early in this season as both Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler develop. But Tim Patrick, even if he played extensively, I think, let's say he started for an entire season. I think Tim Patrick, if he started for a full season and got the reps reflective of that, would be about a... about a 55 to 60 catch 750 yard three or four touchdown guy
0: wow that's really good
1: that's actually for a 16 game schedule that's actually pretty average
0: yeah just for for...
1: playing 16
0: games man so mace is there trade value there
1: there's trade value if team if there's a team that is desperate for wide receiver help but as we've often discussed the wide receiver position is the one position that you can just find guys tim patrick can be productive but there are a lot of tim patricks out there right there aren't many jerry judy's there aren't many courtland sutton's there aren't many guys with kj handler speed but tim patrick tim patrick's players with those skills, they come out by the bushel. What usually separates them is the ability to contribute on special teams if they're backups. And Tim Patrick is very good at that. So I think Tim Patrick is going to have a lengthy career because he's willing to do anything to play in the league. He's willing to handle whatever job the coaches ask of him. But he's not somebody that I think is going to all of a sudden explode if he gets out there. I could be wrong. My friend Frank Schwab for Yahoo wrote a piece about Reggie Langhorn, who had his first thousand yard season, I believe nine years into his career, and then Ooh. had issues with alcohol. And that was the end of his career. He never played after having that thousand yard season. It's rare though, that you see somebody emerge that late in his career as a wide receiver one type I think Tim Patrick is somebody who's a good depth piece good locker room piece good special teamer but not somebody who's going to have high numbers as a wide
0: receiver totally agree and that's why he will be in the league for a while and may something that Tim has on his side that a guy like Jawan Winfrey doesn't is experience and now Tim Patrick he's still a younger guy but he has playing experience that Jawan Winfrey doesn't have and what does um Uh, what is Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and Tyree Cleveland? What do they not have? They don't have any playing experience. So um, I think right now, I think Tim Patrick slides in at the very end of the roster. I think he does make it because do you really want a Juwan Winfrey who has no experience being the backup to all of these young guys? I know you have Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton, but, Tim would just add a little more experience and I think that's something that it's not necessarily what I would do but I think that's what a coaching staff is going to do
1: oh yeah and I I don't think it's guaranteed but I think Tim Patrick is not only on the roster but again I think as those young receivers develop early he he could be in the top three rotation for a while
0: that's very fair yeah yeah I'm not gonna argue with that D-dubs fellas thank you for taking time to talk about what's happening in our country now Like you alluded to, this isn't an issue of politics. It's about people and their right to a dignified and safe life. You already had me for life, but between what you said on the pod and Spano's update on the bar Friday night, I know this is a place and community I'll cherish as long as I'm able to. That means a lot, D-dubs. Stay safe, everyone. Be kind to each other, and let's do all we can to make changes that afford others the peace and quality of life so many of us are afforded simply by the color of our skin love all of you what a what a great way to put that
1: every word you said in there is worth listening to very very well put d dubs appreciate it naderade curious did you guys see the photos floating around the internet of Locke working out in denver area park with philip Lindsay about 10 other individuals do you all have or know any further details on this other players involved thoughts on nfl possibly having a june minicamp etc Personally, it seems like they should be able to figure out in many camp situations as States like California, New York, and nearly all others have green lighted this sort of sporting activity.
0: Yeah. Well with, uh, first we'll start with drew Locke. Yeah. He's had a couple of these workouts with some guys, um, just at, at local parks here in Colorado. Um, and he has been doing that for what a couple of weeks now, I think. And it's just what you would expect. just throwing the ball around with, with guys at park working on stuff. Um, Mace, do you have anything else to add to that before we go on to the mini camps?
1: No, I mean, that's basically hitting the nail right on the head. Just some workouts, not really as formal as what you saw back in 2011 during the lockout. But again, you didn't have any restrictions on how many people could gather in a park and all that. And the Broncos that off season were able to approximate real practices. That's something that they're not quite at that level right now. And, uh, You know, we'll see if they can actually get some full time on the field here in the next few weeks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So personally, I don't make too much of those. And then about mini camps, man, you're right. California New York, it seems like parts of those states are beginning to allow certain things like that. But if you look around, there's uh, every other sporting league in this country has a more sense of urgency than the NFL and none of them are starting organized team camps in June. Um, you know, it kind of seems like training camps are going to be starting in July, maybe even the end of July for the NHL and basketball. And they have, you know, a reason to, to not rush the process, but go as fast as they can. The NFL, to me, I think it would be silly to have anything in person in June, because what are you going to get? One, two weeks of mini camps, and those are three or four days. Um, and you're going to be putting 50 people on on flights to come in here um, to, to make those. To me, you've missed so much of the offseason already. If I'm the NFL and the NFLPA, I'm not allowing it to happen. I'm waiting till everything gets safer and bringing everyone in safely in July. If I'm a head coach, even if the NFL does allow it, I'm saying we're keeping everything virtual. Uh, because the risks to reward there, it's not like you're saying, uh, okay, I'm going to pass up on 10 weeks of an off-season program. No, you're saying I'm going to miss out on six practices. Um, It's not worth it to me.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. The question I would have is, for this year, can the NFL and NFLPA work something out to where they could make up for some of that time by being able to report a little bit earlier for a training camp? And get everybody together under the same roof, maybe by July 20th or July 21st, perhaps that's the sort of thing that I'd like to see happen because then you're then you're saying, okay, we're not worried about getting everybody in right now. We can go ahead. We can kick it down the road into, into July. And, and that would also give teams and players the chance to gradually ramp back up because, there are going to be some guys that are not in the same condition they ordinarily would be and could use the more gradual buildup to the regular season, the goal of being ready in September.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, I don't really know if they'll be able to make ha- anything happen earlier just because I don't think the NFLPA wants to give that at all. Um, but I just, and it still seems like they're hoping that training camp is going to start at the end of July, if that's not even pushed back further. Right.
1: That said, if everybody else is coming together, if the, NFL, if the NHL and NBA and fingers crossed baseball have got everybody together, together the NFL will as well.
0: Right. It, it Exactly. And guys, before we go any farther, I got to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. Guys, they're the most local or reliable local partner for your long-term needs. Denver Rubber Company is an essential business, and they've been open this entire time, filling so many needs for several industries, including medical, military defense, government, wind energy, and food and beverage industries. If you need anything from custom die-cut gaskets, foam gaskets, hose assemblies, and metal parts, They can do it for you. So make sure to give them a call at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR. Guys, they've been around since 1972 and they are the best at what they do. So if you need anything from bulk products to custom made orders, Denver rubber company can hook you up. Give them a call at 1-800-259-0010.
1: Yes. And if you are up to going out to, pick up some food, some beverages, and whatever. You're going to want to burn rubber to our friends over at Davidson's with two locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. These guys, they're locally owned, have a massive selection, have our personal favorite, Breck Brews, of course, the official beer of DMVR, and the staff is incredibly knowledgeable. Of course, supporting our partners is supporting us right now. And like I mentioned, you can go to Davidson's in person. Their sales floor is up and running and They've got everything taken care of in terms of making a safe experience. Hand sanitizer. You've got distancing protocols. They're limiting the amount of people in their stores to make sure that it's a comfortable and safe experience for you to fill up. But if you just want to deliver to your house, if you want to show up curbside, Davidson's will take care of that for you as well. Make sure you take advantage of their app. The Davidson's app is phenomenal. You can place your order there and they'll deliver it or go right down and they'll bring it to your car. I've done that a couple of times. I've also shopped in store recently. Every experience with Davidson's is high class. The best you're going to find for liquor stores in the Denver area. And they have such a massive selection. And guess what? If they don't have what you're looking for, talk to them. They'll find a way to get it. Get it for you. Make sure that you check out that app for the deals of the day as well. They've always got stuff. And hey, if you grab your booze from Davidson's, tweet at us, tag us on social media, let us know. Davidson's Centennial Highlands Ranch.
0: Absolutely. Next one coming in here from Broncos, Sooners, New York Rangers. Hey guys, there was a game during the 2000 season where the Broncos almost blew it against a winless Chargers team. However, Gus ferrat led the team to a W with an Ed McCaffrey game winner. It is a very obscure game in Broncos history, but one that, for some reason, I will always remember. My question is a weird one. If the 1998 Broncos offense was paired with the 2015 Broncos defense and the 2013 Broncos offense was paired with the 1977 Broncos defense, who would win?
1: Hmm. Okay, first of all, Zach, can you tell me who started at quarterback for the Chargers in that game? Absolutely not. No. Oh, Drew Brees. No. No, that was pre-Brees. He was a year away from getting to San Diego. Dan Fouts. Nope. A name that's (laughs) been in the news lately, but for the wrong reasons, Ryan Leaf. Oh, yeah. And Ryan Leaf had the best game of his career that day. 311 yards three touchdowns one interception the yardage total a career high the touchdown pass total a career high the 111.8 passer rating also a career high and because he had some big plays he accomplished that rating despite completing fewer than 50 percent of his passes
0: oh my goodness
1: 13 of 27 that day Yes, an obscure game, but it's one I remember. Actually, I was on the desk at NFL.com at the time. I remember uh, watching it uh, late on an late in the afternoon and early evening East Coast time. I was in Bristol, Connecticut then, and uh, thought because I because I tuned in as the Chargers took a lead. I thought, oh my gosh, could this be the day? Because they were winless going in.
0: Wow! Wow! Yeah, to get beat by Ryan Leaf.
1: They took leads of 24-7 and 34-17. Wow. In fact, we're up 34-17 after three quarters. And then the Broncos
0: came storming back. They certainly did, and Eddie Mack coming through.
1: Yes. So the other questions there. Ooh, The 1998 Broncos offense with a 2015 defense and a 2013 offense paired with a 77 defense. Okay.
0: That is good.
1: It's very good. And I would ask this. What rules are they going to play under? Mm. Because if the 1977 Broncos defense gets to play under 1977 rules, I'm taking the 13 offense and the 77 defense all day long. But if we're playing under today's rules, I'm probably taking the 98 offense and the
0: 15 D. You're taking Peyton or John?
1: You're also taking Bubby Brister because he started four games and played well, too.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. then I'm taking the 13 offense, no uh, doubt.
1: <laughs> but you're also on that 98 offense, you're taking Shannon Sharp and you're taking Rod Smith.
0: You're Trill taking Davis. Terrell
1: Davis at his apex. Yeah. It was Ed McCaffrey. Remember, when we watched that Bronco Chief game, on DMVR watches a few weeks ago. Remember how the Chiefs, they could shut down some of the guys, but they couldn't shut down all of them. There were just too many weapons. Yeah. And if they committed more to stopping Trail Davis, and they did, they actually contained TD that day. You had Rod Smith and Ed McCaffrey downfield in single coverage, sometimes with three or
0: four steps of separation, and the L Way just had to rear back and fire it. Gosh, and the offensive line—you're not getting a healthy offensive line with the 13 offense. I mean, yep. Peyton Manning was out of this world that year, and that should be taken into account. That should show that he was even better than the 55 touchdowns because of just how depleted that offensive line was. So, man, yep. you're probably taking the better offensive line with 98 as well. Okay, yeah, man, so that's that's a good question though. I like that.
1: Next that's one from one question,
0: Windy City Bronco. Thank you for speaking out to what's going on in the protests over George Floyd's death. However, I I wanted to call out one thing you said because I think it's important. You said, quote, there's nothing political about racism. Racism is the the original politics of this country. Our founders were slave owners. Racism had to exist to justify the structure of slavery. It is the lingering structure of racism from those times that leads to what we are seeing now. We can see it in the racially drawn electoral maps We can see it in the words of the current president. A lot of people who do not think of themselves as racist were mighty comfortable voting for a man who clearly is. Pretending that this is separate from politics does not help black people. We as white people need to consciously fight against racism at all levels. It is not the individual act of hateful white supremacists or racist cops. It's about the subtle strands of racism woven throughout our society. We need to learn to see race and fight racism or else this will continue
1: amen um and i mean really because you mentioned slavery it's a reminder this is the original sin of the united states of america right and it's something that i i i know in my heart that we can work past and 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 get to an ideal place but I mean, it's, it's not going to be without pain. And now we're and, and now this generation is seeing what other generations endured in this struggle. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I mean, I, I, I'll maintain hope that we can figure it out that the goal, the goal is, and I think, uh, we can go back to some of the words of, uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. But one thing that I think about is, uh, think about some of the words in the, uh, In the Constitution, that talk about, uh, you know, all men are created equal. All that, there are some good words, even though they came from a time when slaveholding was equal, was 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 legal. There were some good words that uh, we need to try to achieve the ideal. We need the ideal of equality, true equality, and justice for and justice for all, not just justice for some, justice for all yep
0: yep very very well put mace and windy city bronco that some powerful words there the other ryan
1: my boys can't be said enough but thank you for the dmvr broncos podcast it provides the joyous diversion as much needed right now mace how i wish that peyton manning had thrown a touchdown pass to a teammate wearing the jersey number 75 <laughs> in his career <laughs> Based on the conversation about the 2000s era for, Broncos, for, for the Broncos from Friday's podcast, including poor free agent signings, I want to know who your worst three free agent signings for the Broncos were in the 2000s. Mace mentioned Simeon Rice, who is definitely one of the worst in inning line of many. I think my least favorites from that decade are Eddie Kennison, Daryl Gardner, and and Dale Carter. I know that Carter signed 1999, but that season feels like it is more part of the 2000s decade than the 1990s for the Broncos. I leave you today with a quote from Stephen R. Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Powerful Lessons, and Personal Change, which is apt for our current circumstances. Quote, most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply, unquote. d and Army salute.
0: Mm-hmm. Great, great quote that I think we can all learn something from.
1: Yep. Okay. Yeah, those are some bad names. Daryl Gardner. <laughs> yeah. Man, I could could write a book on the Daryl Gardner era. Oh you, boy, that
0: wouldn't be a fun one, would it? Yeah.
1: You know, punching a guy in the parking lot in an IHOP. Um <laughs> the, what I'll always remember is how he did his weekly radio spot when things were going south. And I think it was um with Lewis and Floorwax over on one oh on one oh three five The Fox and i and refer to mike shanahan as quote the little man upstairs
0: unquote. oh my gosh what are you
1: doing oh my gosh you know daryl gardner went into bodybuilding after his nfl career okay that, not surprised by that yeah like you could you, you google it, and he he was pretty successful also uh had a domestic uh, violence arrest uh, hmm. after his career as well. Just. Wow. Not, not the best person in the world, Daryl Gardner. It doesn't really seem like it. Daryl Carter, not the best person in the world. Eddie Kennison quit on the team at midseason. And the funny thing is, I'll, this is what I'll always remember about Eddie Kennison. When I started working for the Broncos, it was a year after Eddie Kennison. And the website was in the marketing department at the time. And so we had a Christmas party that was a white elephant gift party. And someone gave a white elephant gift that was an Eddie Kennison jersey. It was a throwback jersey. And here's the story behind it. In 2001, the Broncos wore their classic orange with the light blue helmet uniform for the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving. So the jerseys for the players had all been made, but Eddie Kennison walked out on the Broncos and eventually went to the Chiefs before that game. So (laughs) that Eddie Kennison throwback Jersey never got worn.
0: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's pretty incredible.
1: (laughs) I also remember every time Eddie Kennison got the ball or his name was announced as a receiving target when the Chiefs came to Denver after that, Boy, he got booed into
0: oblivion. Yeah, I bet he did. Rightfully so.
1: Oh, there was a lot of hate in Broncos Country for Eddie Kennison back then. I'll never forget that.
0: Yeah, that was that was a man. You you picked some good ones there the other Ryan, that's for sure.
1: Okay. True Champ Fan 24. Good morning. I tried to get this one guy to go in the other day and did not make the cut. I did a speed read of the comments for the last pod as I was unable to listen. I don't think anyone asked so. One's got to go. Simmons, Sutton, Reisner, Philip Lindsay.
0: Oh, man. This one is – I don't like doing it, but to me it's kind of easy. One name's just jumping uh, at me, and that's the last one on this list. That is Philip Lindsay. And uh, it's it's unfortunate, and obviously this is tough. We're not saying he should go. But in this case, right. uh, you don't – Yeah. Muti, I love his potential, but you can't count on him right now, so you don't have a replacement for Reisner. Sutton, uh, I don't want to take him away from Hamler and Judy. Uh, and Simmons, you don't have a replacement for him either, and Kareem Jackson is older, so I got to go with Phil because you have that replacement in Melvin Gordon.
1: Agree with everything you said. It's just based on what you have on the roster. It's not a judgment on the value or the quality of Phil Lindsay. It's based on what you have there. And with Muti, you mentioned him. If he develops, great. Then I'm finding a way to start both Reisner and Muti because you have Garrett Bowles on the last year of his rookie contract with no fifth year option, and Juwan James, who you'd like to get a year out of him, but he has that injury concern. So you're basically operating year to year at both tackle spots. If Muti develops, great. Either Muti or Reisner is going to play tackle.
0: Yep. Yep, I'm okay I, with that. I completely agree. And, man, that would be a good situation for the Broncos. And, Mace, I think last one coming in from the Sandy Man. He throws a link to a Boston Globe article and says, Wow, this guy ranked the Broncos quarterback last in the league. This is the definite definition of a mass hole. He must have been drunk when he wrote this because he put Stidham higher than last. I guess is what happens when the only town Tom Brady has a losing record in is Denver. I'm dumbfounded on how writers can just completely ignore the sample lock, put out there, sorry, but man, this one got me. Let Open me re- your eyes. Yeah,
1: <laughs> And let me read Ben Volman's text on this with the Broncos. Volman writes, quote, the Broncos were encouraged by locks four and one record down the stretch but this is the least experienced depth chart in the league and could cost John Elway his job.
0: Wow. Unquote. Wow. So he's taking just a fact of inexperience, uh, not just for Drew Locke, but for the entire depth chart and saying that that uh, not only trumps uh, his 4 and one start that he had, but that it could cost John Elway his job. That's, that's lazy right there. You can tell it's coming from you know a semi-rival. Area of the country because Jared Stidham Drew Lock has way more experience in, than Jared Stidham. Now I know they probably have a veteran backup in New England, but backups don't help you when your starter is playing. So man, that's that's bad. That's bad, the Sandy man.
1: Yeah, uh, remember it's from the Boston Globe, and of course the the Boston Globe has you know for a long time employed uh, Dan Shaughnessy, who. When the Broncos beat the Patriots in the in the twenty fifteen AFC Championship game, I'm actually am I'm, I'm finding it here because I want to get the text right as I read it. <laughs> he had to be kind, a uh, a less than charitable column. It was definitely. Um, It was definitely a lot of sour grapes. Oh man. You know what? It's behind a paywall here, so
0: You know what, Mace? Maybe that's how we get our day kicked off tomorrow on We Get Mad Wednesday. (laughs) Oh uh, yeah. That that's true. Because the Sandy Man, this was kind of a a good intro to We Get Mad Oh here is what he
1: said. He wrote this. The Broncos are not good. They are likely to be cannon fodder for the NFC in Super Bowl fifty. That was Dan <laughs> Shaughnessy after the twenty fifteen AFC Championship game.
0: Oh my goodness, how did that look two weeks later?
1: Broncos look like the same Broncos that were smoked by the Seattle Seahawks in Super Bowl
0: 48. <laughs> and
1: that proved to be wrong. So again,
0: oh man.
1: If there is a newspaper whose writers are predisposed who think less of the Denver Broncos. It is the Boston Globe. Maybe they're over the fact that the Broncos beat the Patriots in the first ever game for both teams back in 1960. Maybe they haven't gotten (laughs) over that.
0: (laughs) They haven't gotten over that uh, Tom Brady can't beat the Broncos in Denver um, and he loses more than he wins. Uh, And uh, man, maybe they're just so bummed that Tommy left them and they can't get over the heartbreak. So instead of trying to heal themselves, they have to go and attack others to make themselves feel good. Uh-huh. And and in the past decade, maybe the Broncos really are the Patriots' biggest rivals because we talked about how the, how the Patriots are probably the Broncos' biggest out-of-division rivalry in the past decade for sure. But for the Patriots, you don't even have to put the out-of-division rivalry. You can probably just say it's the Broncos because – they haven't had any rivalries in their division that the Dolphins have done nothing. The Jets have done nothing. The bills have done nothing to them in this division as a whole. So yeah, they're just probably trying to get back at a, at a division rival or or at a rival for them.
1: Maybe they miss the Denver Broncos (laughs) being being, a good team. Maybe they miss them. (laughs) A rival just because going over time, in the uh, in the Bill Belichick era, nobody has nobody has matched up to the Patriots. I mean, if you go through the if you go through the history of the Patriots in the Belichick era, the Panthers have a 500 record against the Patriots. The Broncos they're one game below 500. This actually includes games in 2000 and 2008 that Tom Brady didn't start. Drew Bledsoe led the Patriots to a win over the Broncos in Belichick's first year. And then, of course, Matt Castle led the Pats to a win on Monday Night Football in 2008. But of all the teams in the AFC, the larger sample size, the Broncos, with a 474 winning percentage against the Patriots, including postseason since 2000, they are the only team in the AFC that has won more than 40% of their games against the Patriots in the 21st century. Wow. How about that? And, and with a win in Foxborough in October, they'd be right back at 500.
0: Mm, interesting. That's a and big one for Bill then.
1: Exactly. Because you know what, what this shows is not only are the Broncos the best team in the AFC against the Patriots, in the last two decades, the Belichick era, it's not close. The second-best team's only at 375 in win percentage. (laughs) The Broncos at 9 and 10 are 474.
0: Yep, Man, so take that, Patriots. Take that, Boston Globe. No
1: no wonder you guys secretly hate Denver so much.
0: (laughs) The
1: Broncos are the only team that has ever taken anything from you guys on a consistent basis. Of course, the resentment festers and runs deep. Of course, they hate the Broncos. Because everybody else in the AFC just basically cleared a path for the most part, lied down. Even the Ravens, you know, they beat the Patriots twice in the postseason over the last 20 years. But do you know what the Ravens' record is against the Broncos since 2000? Four and eight, including those two playoff wins.
0: How about that? Take that, New England. And, uh, man, I'm fired up for this game in New England in October. I didn't think I was going to get there with the Tom Brady-less Patriots. But now, now, man, it means even more.
1: Oh, the, the thing is, though, everybody in the AFC is fired up to
0: get the Patriots. Oh, no, yes.
1: This, this is like – I'm wearing a North Carolina – University of North Carolina shirt today. And this is going to be like those years where Carolina is down, kind of like last year the Tar Heels lost 19 games in basketball. When a power is down, that power still takes everybody's best shot. because. Yes. They want to get a little revenge, and, they, and so what happens, that team, that traditional power that is struggling, maybe doesn't have the talent it usually does, they, t- they still take everybody's best shot, and they get pummeled. I remember in another example in college basketball, it happened to Duke back when they had a losing season in 95, when Mike Krzyzewski had to leave part of the way through. It was not a good Duke team. Krzyzewski was recovering from, from a back injury. Pete Gaudet was coaching and that Duke team was spiraling out of control. But they took everybody, everybody's best shot because everyone saw this as the chance. And this is one thing that could be interesting with the Patriots this year. Everybody is going to see it as their chance
0: to pummel them. Yeah, they certainly, certainly will. Man, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. Mace, this was a blast of a podcast. And, guys, before we go, I got to tell you about Green Mountain Dental. They are in Lakewood. And they're the best damn family-owned dentistry in the metro area. And they're extreme Colorado sports fan, just like all of us. So make sure to check them out. They're only a 15-minute drive away from downtown Denver. And schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. And you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush just by doing that. So by taking care of your teeth, getting a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, they'll give you a free Sonicare toothbrush. And make sure to tag us when you go to them because supporting Uh, our partners is supporting us and you get a free Sonicare electric toothbrush that is as good as it gets and Green Mountain Dental treats you like family they send you birthday cards and they're giving away free Sonicare toothbrushes so make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental well that'll do it for us and man what a way to enter we get mad Wednesday tomorrow I can't wait for it for Andrew Mason I'm Zach Stevens have a terrific Tuesday